I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Oh, South Kakalaka! Don't you dare be sour! Clap for your world-famous full-time champs! For 12-pack radio, get excited, y'all. Welcome back, everyone, to 12-pack radio, your podcast source for Pac-12 football news and the home of a podcast that fixed the microphone problems from the last couple weeks. This is Brian Conger. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, by the way, to all of our fans that were able to tune in. Um, in spite of some default microphone settings that that randomly happened, we're excited to have Rob Barron in the full, uncut, pure form. How are you, sir? <laughs> well, I'm good. When we figured out it was, you know, a uh, Windows update issue. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, <laughs> oh, it's, come on, you know. <laughs> um, thanks everybody for joining us. We're headed into the off season. We are in the off season. We're in the doldrums of the off season, but what we're doing is we're going through each pack 12 team and just kind of talking about what they were. And we're starting with the teams that for the most part, right? There's always going to be turnover. We're in college football, but for the pack 12 and particularly in this case for Oregon state, there's some consistency there, right? Same coordinator, same head coach, different quarterback, of course, but Credit to Jonathan Smith and Oregon State. Like, there's an identity there. We understand what this team is. And so what we wanted to do for each of these teams is go through their advanced stats, go through how they did last year, and just spell out for everybody what this team is and what it will likely be going into 2023, 2024. God, I don't I don't want another presidential election right here. So let's give, let's give another break here. Um, Rob, before we talk about Oregon State, we did, we did, you know, peruse the the transfer portal, and uh, something stuck out that was absolutely worth talking about. Yeah, I mean, former former five star QB recruit um, Sam Heward is transferring transferring to an FCS school what? in the Big Sky. <laughs> Not only that, he's transferring to uh, former Washington State head coach Paul Wolf's program at Cal Poly. I didn't know Paul Wolf was still coaching college football. Well, good for him. Yeah, he went back. I mean, he did go back to the FCS after his uh, ill-starred turn at Washington State. You know, I, I liked him the first couple of years. I thought he was interesting, and like he he did inject like a few a few years. I would assume now Washington State fans go ahead and yell at me if you want, but it seemed like the first couple of years of the Wolf era kind of looked at it and said, "Oh, I mean, yeah, I could I could see that there is some life here," and then he just fell off a cliff, but. When you told me about Heward going to Cal Poly, that was one of the names, the the final names of the transfers out of the Pac-12 that was really curious about where he was going to go. Because, like, look, this is, like you mentioned, a five-star player that was blue chip. You know, he had a, uh, you know, obviously a legacy of Washington State. And we're looking around the conference going, you know, maybe ASU, maybe Arizona would be, maybe Cal. And Cal Poly, I just, that, that baffles me because he 
wasn't great when he was in, but like you could tell when he was thrown into the fire, it was kind of like, ah, well, here you go, kid, you know, figure it out. Rather than, you know, sometimes when, when you have your backup come in, it, it's, it's organized and you're able to kind of set the table for him. And it just seemed like when Heward was playing, it was kind of like, well, you know, figure it out, kid. I, I'm bummed. I kind of wanted to see him in the Pac-12 and Cal Poly is just as bonkers to me. Yeah, I mean, so they were, I mean, like, listen, like, the Big Sky had some good, I mean, it was very top-heavy last season with the Montana schools, Sacramento State, you know, uh, out there. But, I, you know, Cal Poly was, was, was pretty good last season. Now, his high school coach is the new offensive coordinator at Cal Poly. Um, but it is, I think it is still surprising, right? Like, I mean, this is a, this is a kid that, um, you know, transferring, you know, even, even like to your point, like he didn't, he didn't play great when he was thrown in there, but he wasn't necessarily like given as like the world's greatest opportunities, but like a lot of guys that are heralded QBs end up having that. And then if they transfer, it's not to an FCS school, right? Like sometimes they even land at another power five school. Um, so it is, it is kind of surprising, I think, to see uh, him drop all the way down. Right. And like, you know, you have to feel like given the talent that he has, you know, that he, this is probably not his last stop and that, you know, he might be, you know, trying to get his career back on track and then, you know, transfer again. Um, but it's certainly going to be a tougher, you know, road to hoe. I think transferring from Cal Poly versus like if he had transferred even to a group of five school, um, you know, like it's just, it's a, it's a really surprising turn to, I mean, like to go from like former five-star, like jewel of his class, you know, I mean, and yes, like you're clearly not going to play as long as Michael Penix is healthy. Um, but to tra- I also feel like, I mean, to transfer out, it just feels too like, you know, like Pen- I mean, Penix is only going to be in college so long. I mean, to to not stick it out, you know, at Washington, like you kind of wonder if he had even fallen maybe further behind in the QB pecking order. Yeah, I know. And we weren't big fans of Morris. Uh, I think he started early and it was a crappy offense and all that stuff. So I would, I would have liked to see Morris transfer out and play and get another shot in an offense that's maybe like DeBoer, like clearly knows his stuff and has a really good track record of player development and offense. <laughs> and right. maybe, maybe he, maybe he would, but like, you didn't see as much of more. I don't know. It, it was, it's just, it was an interesting landing spot for him. I hope he does really well. And I hope he jumps back uh, onto a West coast team because it'd be great to, you know, we've been talking about the influx of quarterback talent in the pac 12. And he would be awesome to, you know, if he's able to put it together and uh, and be a part of that. The other, the only other real, I'm sure there's other transfers that people are yelling about. But like at this point, as we're talking about quarterbacks, JT Shroud over to Arkansas State and good for him. Like that seems more, more his vibe. And it seems like that's been a program that has actually been quite good the last couple of years. So I'm glad that he landed in a team that, that has a little bit of a base to it. Yeah, I'd, uh, I, I mean, I'd be happy you know, like Trout, like transferring, like clearly color this year's Colorado team was, <laughs> you were, you were going down on the, on the Titanic if you were the quarterback. <laughs> and so, you know, at, at the very least, like, listen, like Colorado, Colorado was the, one of the worst power five teams we've created out in a while. Um, you know, so clearly having to go week in week out against power five competition there was, was, you know, 
was it was tough. So for him landing at like Arkansas State, um, I think is a really good fit. You know, and they've got some decent competition, uh, you know, in the conference that they're in. So with that, like what we'll get out of the transfer portal for now, and we should we should do an actual portal show where we're talking about these things. But what I would like, if you have time, twelve pack radio is our Twitter handle at twelve pack radio, um, at Sharp College Football, uh, tweet at Rob. If there's a transfer that you're really excited about, like let us know. I think it's interesting to kind of point us in the right direction. Look, I don't want this guy's a diamond in the rough, but like I want this guy's legit. <laughs> he was already legit. He started, right. and now he's on our team. That's what we're looking for. I'm not looking for oh this what this guy could be. I want starters in previous programs that you're excited coming to your school that you think can have an immediate impact and start on day one. So um, if you have those, we would love to, to hear them. We'd love to talk about them because Holy Moses, as you're looking through the transfer portal, it is, it is a lot. <laughs> and yeah. I just, I, I, and we'll look through it, but I just, I want to, I want to start with the ones that like our sharp fans know, you know? Yeah. Well, and it's overwhelmingly, right? Like, and we talked about this, right? It's overwhelmingly like made up of guys who are transferring for a reason, right? Like, and it, the reason is not like, you know, it's, it's not, they're not all, <clears throat> Could it be like what we talked about, which is like, you know, some guy with obvious, you know, like has enough playing time. Just so you kind of know what you're getting. Like a lot of these guys have had no playing time at the school that they're transferring from. And so like all we have is like some conjecture of where their, you know, where their um, where their star rating was, you know, when they came out of high school. And like that, that is very little information to go on about what they, you know, are going to what are now in college. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let us know. Hit us up. I also I I got to do the bowl pool winning, so we'll we'll do that next week too. It's been it's been a, a it's been a month. So thanks for everybody for bearing with us on that front. All right, we're gonna get to Oregon State. We're gonna talk about what they are, what we're looking for in the future, and we'll do it right after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, we're back! 12-Pack Radio talking about Oregon State a team that I look, I I thought it'd be cool. I, I didn't actually think of it this way, but it, like in the back of my mind, it's, it's it's okay. Hey, hey, everyone, let's calm down, right? It's Oregon State. I get it. Jonathan Smith is a good coach, but I don't know who this offensive coordinator is, and their defense sucked last year. And I'm not as big of a fan of their quarterback, Chance Nolan. Well, jokes on me because Chance Nolan wasn't the quarterback in about halfway through the year. Ben Gould Branson, I thought actually, I mean, they were they were comparable. I, I I wouldn't say that he was that much better than Nolan, although he was a little bit better than him, right? Higher completion rate, um, less interceptions, but he still wasn't great. He took a lot of sacks. But 
this team put it together. Like I, I was like, okay, all right, all right. I'll give you, I'll give you BJ Baylor. I'll give you, uh, was it Justin Jefferson before him? I'm like those. Who's, yeah. yeah. I'm like, those guys are anomalies, you know, like let, let's see him do it again. I know they have a good offensive line, but let's see. And, and, and Jonathan Smith is like, LOL, here you go. Here's freaking 10 wins. So like, I, and I think sometimes Rob on this podcast, we are, I mean, we're, we're kind of down on some teams because we actually, there's reasons for this, right? There's a reason the the conference hasn't been to the college football playoff in a long time. There's a reason why um, there's been massive issues throughout the conference. Like we're very aware of those and you know, it just kind of baked into the DNA of the conference. But when there's a team that really just rises above that, it's awesome. And, and I love cheering for them. And this Oregon state team, you know, I exceeded certain, I don't think they care about my expectation, like expectations one win at all, but they exceeded what I thought they were going to be. They won double digit games. And, and I think that the identity and the, I mean, there's a reason we're talking about them early because the culture and identity is baked into this team. And I think we know what it is and it's good. Yeah. I mean, it was a really good season and, and what was a little bit of a, I mean, better year for the PAC 12, you know, certainly last year. Um, so, you know, I don't think you can make an argument that like Oregon state, like skated through a really easy PAC 12. Like they largely had to go out and win games against what was a slightly better conference than last season. And they also did not, have the easiest non-conference, you know, like they didn't schedule a bunch of pushovers. They got Boise and Fresno state, you know, <laughs> um, in there. So I, you know, I, th- I thought they did. I mean, like they got a little lucky against Fresno. Um, but I think, you know, the biggest story, I mean, maybe the biggest turnaround this, this past season, like and everybody's focused. I mean, everybody's really focused on like Washington's offense, like turning around Oregon's offense, USC's offense, but like Oregon state's defense <laughs> after what they've been the past couple seasons, they finished number eight overall in beta rank after hanging around, you know, regularly in the, you know, top 20, most of the season, you know, like they finished really strong, um, you know, to finish out the year you know, having good games against Arizona state, you know, good games, you know, good game against Cal, good game against Arizona state. I mean, honestly, like a pretty good game against a high powered Oregon offense, Um, you know, and then they just absolutely shut down a floundering Florida team in the bowl game. Like, but this, that, that turnaround to me, I mean, and you, I was probably, I was extremely skeptical that Jonathan Smith just had like an ace defensive coordinator sitting on his staff waiting to be promoted, (laughs) but he did. (laughs) Like he, he absolutely did. Um, you know, and I, I, I thought things were going well enough with on offense. And I think you you certainly sort of have a fairly reliable run game with Mahalchek coaching your offensive line. You know, and I, I wanted him to go out and I wanted Oregon State to invest and splash a little money and, you know, make at least somewhat of a known hire. It turns out they wildly exceeded expectations with who they got as their defensive coordinator. I mean, to the point where you're just like, well, this is so good. He's not going to be around forever. But like the fact that they were able to turn it around like this, I mean, Oregon state has to be coming into this next year. I mean, they have to be like a dark, I mean, they have to be like the dark horse to win the conference. That's and I know that, yeah. sounds, I know that yeah. sounds crazy, but like, they're not losing a ton. The defense is going to be like, should be pretty good again with the solid DC there. You know, the real massive handicap for this team was quarterback, you know? 
Um, it's, I mean, and it's, it's bonkers to, to like sit there and say that coming in next year. Cause I think the focus is going to be on a lot of other teams. Um, but Oregon state might be a little bit like Utah and that they might be like the really complete team that you have to keep an eye on. Yeah. And so we, we should start with the defense because I think that was the story because yeah, I think we know what the offense is. Um, but before we do that, I think a couple of things to add to what you were saying, because again, I, I think when a team knocks it out of the park, like we need to celebrate the fact that it did. And there's been, there's been a couple things that really jumped out for us. The first was the defense. The second was the quarterbacks. Like, can you, for the love of God, get a quarterback on your team? I mean, please. Yeah. And they did right. Like they, they went out and they got DJU and then they got a four-star commit. Like, is it, is the number seven quarterback in the state of California, um, and, and I just think stocking that it's hard to recruit to Corvallis and stocking that pool, that pond with, with good talent at the quarterback position, I think is a testament to what Jonathan Smith is being able to do is like, look what I can do. Right. Like we, we, put, we put, um, uh, uh, Jake Luton in the NFL, right? Like we, we, right. we had an offense with Tristan Jebbia, like imagine what I could do when you're here, you know, which is, right. which is awesome. Yeah. So the, the, the fact that they were able to not only get DJU, but also be able to bring somebody in that has some pedigree from uh, high school is excellent because you can't always rely on the, the, uh, the, the transfer portal just to build the team for the long run. The second thing is we were just talking about their non-conference schedule, Rob, like you mentioned, they had Boise and they had Fresno. Those are two teams that ended up being pretty solid. Now Boise kind of like just pooped the bed because they had the injury and it was just kind of a mess. Like the quarterback was a mess, but they, but they still won. And you know, we paid a lot of attention to Arizona playing uh, South Dakota State, right, because of FCS. But now that we've been focusing more on FCS, like Montana State was an FCS se- like semifinalist. Like that was a good team. Right. They're that they really good. They're a really good team, and Oregon <laughs> State whooped them. Yeah. So I mean, just a shout to them. The thing that jumps out for me as we shift over to the defense is the fact that USC, you know, had all this swagger. They came in, like you know, they they were really moving the ball. Obviously, Caleb Williams is is just a delight to watch. And then they went into <laughs> to Oregon State, and Oregon State's like, "Yeah, you're going to score like 17 points on us. Suck it!" And that, that's just that's amazing. The the fact that they were able to game plan and and do what they needed to do to make that game competitive. They ultimately lost by three, but like that that won the that won the offense's fault or won the defense's fault, right? Like they did their part. They just needed to be able to score points against a garbage USC defense. But um, but let's talk about this defense, Rob. Like, what did the numbers say? What what um what, what do we have as we go forward into twenty twenty three? I mean, this defense went from like ninety three last season to number eight in Bader rank. I mean, that's that's the part. Like when people like there are there's a, there's a particular school where people say this out loud um, in the conference. They're like, oh, he just has to get his players in, right? Like these are the same players <laughs> pretty much that stunk it up the last couple seasons for the Beavers. And Trent Bray came in, uh, you know, with a plan and had his defense ready to go. Like as, as soon as the season really started. Um, and the first real inkling we had though, was that game against USC where they showed up with a really good game plan and really slowed down the Trojans. Um, that was, I mean, and we didn't quite know what we had there at that point, right? Like, because it, 
it was pretty early in the season for both teams. USC, like, is the question. The question is, is like, is USC's defense offense not as good as we thought? And like, the answer was no. Like, they were still a pretty good, like, a really good offense. It's just Oregon State was a lot better than we thought. Um, and they they were very good at drive efficiency, number twelve in drive efficiency. They did a really good job, you know, preventing teams from putting together long drives and put up points. But they were excellent, number six overall on explosive drives, limiting big plays all season. Um, now they struggled a little bit with more with play efficiency, number 19, and they were 28 negative drives. So like for next season, they need to force more three and outs. They need to force more turnovers, um, but they didn't have a big run pass, but they were number eight in effective rush number 16 in effective pass. You know, like this is a really solid defense overall. And like, and, and this is, I mean, this is shocking to, to say, you know, like they were easily the best defense in the pac 12. Because, I mean, right, the bar is low, but they were good. Like, they were just... They're the only top 10 defense yeah. in the conference, and there's only one other, like, one other top 20 defense in the conference. That was Utah at 17. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just a really awesome story and a great turnaround. And I know they're going to lose some players, particularly, like, the, you know, the front seven, they had some older players on there that were starting yeah. to matriculate through the program. So let's see. Like, I mean... I, I do I do want to see it for a second year, but the fact that they were so low and got so high, like I don't anticipate Oregon State to field the top ten defense next year. But if they right. but they, like we were talking when we were previewing them, like we basically said if they can get to sixty, <laughs> right? If they went to eight. So if if they right. if they drop to thirty, that's still really good because I think their offense is gonna be better next year. And that makes them really dangerous in the conference. And like you mentioned, Rob, as you're thinking about who is a dark horse in a very flawed Pac twelve, it's Oregon State. Like this is a team that yeah. really is able, like they're just they are well coached. They have figured out what their their identity is. They have a real quarterback coming, and if he sucks, they still have a freshman that did pretty well when he was thrown. We just talked about Sam Heward kind of being thrown into the fire. Well, you have Gold Branson thrown into the fire, and he was pretty darn good because he started, <laughs> and he yeah. still moved that offense. And their offensive line is going to be solid, and they're going to be able to run the football. And if you're any team like that, you know, if you're USC or if you're Oregon, um, you know that that clearly, I, I think Oregon had this team this game circled right as as a possible letdown game because it's a rivalry because the Beavs played them well, and they should like they know. But but if you're a team like UCLA or a couple of these other programs that are moving their way up in the conference, this is going to determine whether you win the conference. These games, like against Oregon State and you know, a couple other programs, and that's that just speaks so highly of of where the program is. I mean, anything else on on defense that you thought was uh, you know particularly important? No, no. I mean, like I mean the real. I mean, like we talked about. I mean, the real impressive thing was like how like how they turned it around. Uh, to your point, yeah, they are going to lose some players, but like. You know, even if they like, if they stay in the top 25, like that's remarkable, right? And like this was a down. I mean, to flip over to the offense, this was a down year offensively for them. Yeah, I. Yeah. And and part of it, like I, I really thought, okay, you know, going for Justin Jefferson, I'm like, all right, let's see BJ Baylor do this, okay, whatever. And he did, and I'm like, okay, whatever. Let let's see whoever they come, Fenwick, or and it ended up being like the freshman Damian Martinez that actually stepped forward, and he's a freaking freshman. Like that's what's cool, right? You got somebody that is going to be part of the program for another year or two that can run the football, and you have an offensive line coach that we have already like. I remember when when Utah got to the point where we were just like, I don't know who's going to be linebacker, but they're going to be good. Like that's right. that's the, the running back system for Oregon State now. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, they, they, they did suffer. Like, I thought they could. And this isn't all on Gil Branson. Like, I once their tight end got hurt, too. I mean, they really struggled. Like, they're like, – yeah. so I, we, we should highlight, like, yeah, the quarterbacks. Like, but why – like, pass catchers are a problem for Oregon State, right? Yeah. I mean, they were number 35 overall in beta rank on offense. But, like, they were at 66 in effective pass. Um and they're like they're number twenty-two in effective rush. They can be a better running team if their passing game is an actual threat, you know. Um, and that's something they really, I think, offensively have to figure out because, like, I don't know. Like, I mean, I, I think this maybe was a little bit of a down year for their offensive line too, and like maybe we expect a little bit of a, a bounce. I mean, they were still really good, but like. They have to be able to present more of a threat throwing the football than they did last season. I think to be successful. Yeah, and and you know, I was mocked for my Luke Musgrave bullishness two years ago, and I was a year away. I was a year off because he wasn't that good. That he's fine um, and a decent pass catcher. But you're right, he went down, and that, that kind of mattered to that that core. You know, I'm looking at some of the transfers that they're they're bringing in, and. I I know they got at least one wide receiver in the door. Uh, no, no, that's right. They got Jermaine Terry, the tight end from Cal, and that guy's good. Like that, that's yeah, really exciting. I, just I mean, look, they got a, they got a, they got some decent. Like they got a, that uh, Grant Stark from uh, Nevada. Like he's a pretty good defense. I mean, a uh, pretty good tackle. You know, like I don't know if he sticks a tackle for the Beavs, but like he's probably going to end up as a starter, right? Like, um. You know, but yeah, to your point, like they need what they need some they need some pass catchers like yesterday. Yeah, you know, Trayshawn Harrison was the transfer from I think Florida State. Um, you know, Tyjon Lindsay was still there, but really didn't have the production. I do think some of this could be more the the quarterback in general. I, I'm with you. I think yeah. they, that's that. If you're looking at this team, right, you want an upgrade in talent for the defensive coordinator to, to be able to you know continue fielding a, an excellent defense and I don't know if they're going to get that so it's really going to be on the coaching but the wide receiving spot is really the the area where it's kind of like you know I, I know they had um, um I think it was uh, um, it's not Micah Tung I, I forget the guy's uh, first name but he he came over from Georgia and really didn't see the field uh, Harrison ended up being their top receiver but he was kind of supposed to be their guy he was like a four-star yeah. commit that that people were pretty excited about, and and he was a senior. So let's see, let's see what they do. If there's going to be one area to keep an eye on is who's catching the football now that you have this quarterback. But the running the running game is going to be excellent, and I do think the tight end like you're going to see like ter- ter- when he committed to Cal, um, it it was kind of like holy smokes, this guy is really good, and he's going to be able to go out and catch the ball. So if he's healthy, I do think that they at least have that security blanket, but. You need more than that. I mean, they're bringing in five wide receivers in this class. Now, these guys are all true freshmen yeah, uh, coming in. But, I mean, at least it's a sign that they're like, hey, like, you know, some like I'm sure some of these guys are going to be at least three of them are already enrolled and are going to be ready for spring ball. You know, I'm sure it is going to be a full-on wide-open competition for playing time at wide receiver, given how it went this season, right? And I mean, and in their setup, right? Like, if they, if you know, if Jonathan Smith has two good tight ends that he can play, they're going to play, and you'll you know you'll 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 run you know um, uh, you know you'll only run you know two wide receivers out there, no problem, right? Like, um, 
you know, but I, I, they definitely need to have at least somebody else out there that can like take some of the pressure off the, you know, and the quarterback, because look, like, I, I think a lot of it was on what was happening at Clemson Clemson's offense, like took a step back. Um, and I don't think that was all on the quarterback, but they really do have to, I mean, like, you know, here, like they're going to have to take a bit of a step forward. That number 66 in an effective pass, like that really hurt them. They were, you know, at 37 in explosive drives, they were at 53 in negative drives, like too many three and outs, too many turnovers. I mean, particularly three and outs, but like that's really got to improve for them. I want to, I, like, we've talked about this before with, uh, with Oregon State, but if you're new to the program, like Jim Halchek, the offensive line coach, is like, he's, he's like a, he's a unicorn. Like he's just this magic man that comes to your school and it doesn't matter who is on your offensive line. It could be Rob. It could be me. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to make you a freaking star in this conference. (laughs) Really? It's really impressive. I mean, there was that kid that like, like, I mean, there are kids who are just like, I don't remember. Like, I mean, there was that, there was a guy like, cause Mahalchuk had been in Arizona under Rich Rod and it done really well. I mean, he was at Cal for a long time. You know, and it was part a big part of like Jeff, Jeff Tedford's success, um, and that ends up at Arizona, and then he's not retained when the new staff comes on, um, you know, and jams on up to Oregon State, and I mean, he may have even done that. Like he may have seen the writing on the wall. I can't remember. <laughs> he may have been like, "Yeah, I see what's coming here," <laughs> but. Um, you know, like there's there's a guy that transferred from Arizona, like that was like started at Oregon State for a couple of years, and I was like, I don't remember this guy. Like, I mean, like he you now he had been, you know, like when he had played without Mahalchek at Arizona, I was like, I don't remember this guy being that good without Mahalchek there. But like Mahalchek, like really does, like really coaches him up, and that's I mean that's something you could like Oregon State can sort of always hang their hat on, but that's where like I think for them like. They have like they run the ball well enough that like if you can make play action work and you should be able to like you can be really dangerous in this offense, right? Like DJU in this case, like is going to be playing behind a pretty good offensive line, um, you know, and like if 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 his pass catchers are in any way dangerous, like he should be set up for like real success without having to like go out there and win the game like he kind of had to do at Clemson with the way that offense went. Yeah, I want to talk to that a little bit, and then we could probably get out of here if there's anything. Well, well let's 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 talk numbers first for Oregon State's offense, and then then let's talk DJU because I think that's okay. it's important to highlight what he did at Clemson, and then like you know just kind of carry that over into the offensive system that's that's over at Oregon State. So so what is that system? So they were the thirty. So they were thirty five last season, um, twenty nine in drive efficiency, and they were you know they they that's a this is a middle of the road power five offense. You know, and, and they've often in past seasons been in the top 20, um, you know, and even with some of the quarterbacks we've talked about <laughs> um, 37 in explosive drives. They were not a terribly explosive offense last season, 76 in play efficiency, um, you know, 53 in negative drives. That one, that one really hurts um, right there. And like, you know, they, they didn't convert enough third downs, you know, like, and uh, you know, they had, they did have a few too many turnovers. Um, but they're bit, they had a really big run pass, but 22 in effective rush, 66 in effective pass. They've certainly been run heavy in the past. Um, it's just unusual to see them be like this run heavy, right? Like to where they, you know, to, to where 
the passing game was like, like, so like last year in, or in 2021, they were at 16 on offense. They were at 11 in effective rush, 45 in effective pass. Right. And like, yes, Oregon state was in no way our particularly good passing team in 2021, but they were dangerous enough to like take pressure off the running game. Yeah. But now, well, but you know, any, any other, any other numbers to highlight on that front? No, no, that's, that's, that, that covers them. Okay. Like, because when you look at DJU, it, it's right. Like, I have a couple of friends, or like, and, and one in particular that's like a big Clemson fan. He's like, oh, he sucked. Like, well, I mean, the, the offense sucked. And he clearly isn't like, he, he at that program, I don't think he's the five star, like, best player out of the class that people anticipated. But, right. and, and Stat County can be bad, right? At the same time, you like, 2,500 yards, 22 touchdowns, seven picks. You know, he's able to rush for, for 500 yards. Like what my, my case isn't he's the savior. My case is that we, we kind of have an idea of what he is and it's pretty good. And now you're bringing him into an offensive system that actually is competent. And that's what's scary. Yeah. If you're a PAC 12 team, is that, is that fair? Yeah. I mean, it's like Clemson's like, and, and he played a bit in 2020. Like they went from the number nine offense in beta rank and like, they're not they, like, that's not an overwhelming offense. Like they were really driven. The best years at Clemson were driven by Venables. Excellent defenses. But like in 2021, they fall all the way down to number 69 overall in beta rank. Like yeah. they really, really struggled and they struggled. Like there's a couple parts to this. And like, Bud Elliott's highlighted this a little bit. Like, one of which is like, yes, the running backs and the running game completely fell apart for them. But the other part is, is like, they really don't have the pass catchers at Clemson that like go out and like get the ball anymore. And that like the, the, the two parts to the offense that have really fallen off the most is like the, the, you know, the running game with the running backs and the wide receivers. And like they improved significantly last year. They went from, you know, 69 to number 34 overall and the yeah. passing game really improved. Um, but like Davos bringing in a new offensive coordinator for a reason, right? Like he's bringing in Lincoln Riley's brother from TCU. Like it's not because everything was hunky dory on the offense. It was not, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, so like, yeah, he's like, you know, he had another five star breathing down his neck, but like, listen, when that guy came in and played, it didn't get better. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's the part is like, I mean, it's not as if like that offense was suddenly like good. It absolutely was not you know, like when the new quarterback was in there. So that's what like, I mean, I, like if Clemson's offense is going to improve, it's because the new play caller is going to be in place. Like they really, they really needed that, you know, like they're, I mean, they're, I mean, if you're going through like their schedule, I mean, they really struggled. I mean, putting up points against even mildly competent offenses, even with the new quarterback in. And I think the reason we were calling for this for, for, so long was because it's expectations, right? Like what I have loved to see the quarterback from Wake Forest transfer to Oregon say, Oh yeah, absolutely. But like, guess what? He's going to Notre Dame. <laughs> that's what he's going to do. Well, you know, a place that's a more high profile. So right. for, for Oregon state, like this is exactly which 
probably the best that you're going to be able to get is somebody that has the tools on paper that has shown that he could progress, right? Like the previous year, to your point, Rob, like he threw nine touchdowns and 10 picks. He he wasn't good at throwing the football last year. He had like a 55% completion rate. He improved this year, like significantly. Now, did the team improve? Uh, no, but but he, he's, I mean, it did, but it didn't, you know, like obviously they weren't even close to competing for the playoff. But he was like he's been able to improve. He has he can throw the ball. Uh, he can run the ball, and let's see what he can do in a system that has been pretty proven to do a lot of good things with with lesser talent on paper. Like Chance Nolan is not as good as DJ Ugalde. <laughs> right. Like like Jake Luton got to the NFL. I mean, like I mean, I think a big part of this too is like you're going with a guy like I mean with Jonathan Smith there that. I mean, I, I do feel like has a, is is going to provide better coaching than he was getting at Clemson. You and, know, yeah, and that's exciting. If again, if you're a Pac-12 team, you have to contend with all this stuff now, and that that's what makes Oregon State dangerous. That's why we're excited about what they can do in uh, 2023. I'm just I want to shift over to their schedule because I think it gets a little easier in the non-conference at least. And that's interesting to me because, uh, you know, I think, was it, who had the, who had the really cake schedule and just did, did Washington have a cake schedule this year? Yeah. I mean, Washington missed uh, Utah and USC. Okay. Let's take a look at what Oregon state has and then we'll, we'll get out of here. FBSschedules.com. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like looking around on, on freaking ESPN. I can't find it for the life. I mean, it does. They have switched over to it, but like I do, like my go-to is like, what does FBSschedules.com say? So they've got, they start out with San Jose state at, at San Jose state. Huh. And they definitely had like a little bit of a rebound. Um, UC Davis was like a sneaky, decent um, big sky team. As I recall, after last season, where'd they finish out? Not that I expect. I mean, like Oregon State absolutely walloped. Yeah, UC Davis was pretty good last season. They finished at number six overall, like in a strong Big Sky. Um, but like I, Oregon State should absolutely handle them. Then you get San Diego State, a team that just cratered last season. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and they actually like. I mean, for the Beavs, like this is a decent. So they do. They still have Utah on the schedule. But USC rolls off. So then they're going to have uh, the play. So they'll have San Diego State at home. They will then go on the road at Wazoo. They've got Utah at home then. Cal on the road. UCLA at home. And, and like that, but they don't have, now they do, I, I should say like they, they have a stretch kind of in the middle with like Arizona, Colorado, and Stanford after that. Like, they Why? should roll. Line they should up. roll through that like a hot, <laughs> yeah. like hot knife through butter, right? Um, I mean, the only potentially tricky game, like I mean, like, and I should say, like, I don't like, I don't know what we're gonna get with Colorado. They should be better, right? But like, how much is an open question. I'm, I'm like, I don't know that Arizona's gonna be like a lot better. I feel like Arizona's gonna be a lot of the same. But then they finish with Washington at home and then on the road at Oregon. So like. They have, I mean, like that youth, like, I mean, like their, their season's going to kind of make or break, I feel like. And look, I mean, this team is probably not going to be good enough that if they have like an off night, they're going to win, right? Like they, this is a team that's like, they could, they could easily drop a game along the way to Washington state or Cal or Arizona, right? Like possibly, um, but like the make or break of the season is Utah at home, UCLA at home, Washington at home, and Oregon on the road. Yeah, they got and and Reese sucks to play at. 
<laughs> like it just... Yeah, and they'll actually have their other half of the stadium back, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That, I mean, like, look, this is why they aren't the favorite for to win the Pac-12 title, but they are a dark horse. And I like, I love the fact that all their tough games are at home. And yeah. that's, that's worrisome for other teams. I mean, like Reeser is a raucous stadium. Like it's cold, it's wet. It's like the fans are good and people just, that that's where, that's where championship hopes go to die basically, <laughs> you know, in the past when it comes yeah. to the PAC 12. So that, that's and great. It's not like we don't have questions about, I mean, like we have like, we do have questions, right? Like, I mean, like Utah, yeah, I think yeah. maybe on paper is the team that you probably feel like the most comfortable, comfortable with, you know, um, coming into the year, but like Oregon state's not far off. Like, you know, like at the very least, I trust what they have with the coaching staff offensively. Like they definitely have to figure out the quarterback, but you like the raw materials they brought in. Like Washington's defense and Oregon's defense are, and, and UCLA's defense are massive question marks. <laughs> That still remain right um, to be answered, and UCLA is breaking in a new quarterback. Uh, you know, like they've got the promising transfer from Kent State. They've got the heralded, you know, like new freshman coming in. Um, but Oregon's got a new offensive coordinator too. Like, there's just a lot of there's like I, like their schedule. While not like oh, it's paved with gold to a trip to Las Vegas. Like it's it's still like a, a pretty promising schedule, and and they're definitely a team that like I don't know. Like a, hopefully we we said it first. Like that is the dark horse I think for the conference title. <laughs> so the, the what are they doing going to San Jose State? Like what? <laughs> No, no, San, oh, San Jose State to open up the year. So, like, or here's what, or like, if you're the Oregon States of the world, is like you often and like so teams have done this before. Like, and when I say teams, like teams that are not Oregon State have done this before. So, like years ago, Texas played at Wyoming, like in Laramie, and the deal is like they'll do like a like instead of like doing a buy game with a group of five school is you sign up and do a two for one, you know, or like it's two at your place and one at theirs. Yeah. But like what I, I sometimes I, again, I wonder about this with Oregon state is sometimes they don't end up in like two for one. Sometimes they can end up in like one for ones or so I'm hoping if you're a Beaver fan that like that is a two for one with them. I'm like checking the schedule. When did they last play them? But anyway, like, that's what you kind of like to see is like a, you know, like a two for one type deal. Um, and then you don't have to pay them. I'm not seeing, did they, they must've played them earlier then or something. Like I must be going crazy. I'm like, where, where's that game? I mean, like this is, I mean, like Oregon state also, like, I mean, I went to this game, um, in 2018, like they took a buy game from Ohio state. Like <laughs> they, yeah. they went to, they went to the horseshoe and got smacked around. Um, you know, like, uh, so I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying I'm, to remember, like, I, I'm looking and I'm like, how did this, where's the, where's the rest of the games on the schedule against San Jose state? Yeah. Like, I'm looking at that too. I'm like, I don't understand what, what the, you know, uh, it, oh, so there's one in t- 2029 San Jose state has a return. Huh. Um, oh my God. They have a, I don't know. Maybe they are signing some point. Oh no. What? I'm on draw. Like, that can't, is that right? In 2030, they're going to San Jose State again? Hell yeah. What, what is going on with Oregon State's schedule? 
it, it's po- <laughs> it's possible that they booked it in 2020 with the canceled season. So I'm wondering if that's if that played a part yeah, in it too. Like that's like I have, I can find. I mean, like what I need to go back is like look up the actual contract signing. But it, like at the moment, like and like there's a shot that like FBS schedules has it wrong, and it's like a two, like it appears to be a two for one where they go to San Jose State rather than the other way around. Yeah, that is <laughs> that is bonkers. That is crazy. <laughs> I, you know, like it would be fun. So that would be one where like, we're definitely not going to that game, I think as a, as a road game, but it's just fun that it's there because I, I do like when, when Pac-12 programs go to interesting spots and I mean, San Jose state, not an interesting football program, but kind of a cool area and yeah, yeah they'll be tested and they have an interesting coach and just kind of, I don't know. It's, it, it's nice that it's on the, it's on the books, even though it's weird. That's deeply weird. So, like, the 2029 and 2030 games are a one-for-one. Like, I don't know. I got to go back and look at this other one. I'm wondering if it was canceled from the COVID season and they just said. It probably, no, that probably is it. But, yeah, so, like, that is is the the treasure side of being the, the Oregon State of the world. You know, like you don't have the, you don't have the, the financial heft to just say like, Hey, you're coming to my place, you know? Yeah. Well, it should be fun it, and this team should be good. So we'll keep an eye on some of the transfer stuff too, because that'll be interesting to see what they were able to do when they're plugging in some of these defensive transfers and, and what they bring to the table. So uh, anything else to plug here, Rob, before we get out of here? Uh, no, we're still in the, like, uh, we're coming up like February, um, We'll have early, you know, the second signing day and when classes will be finalized, then we'll just be waiting on Bill Connolly to finalize his returning production numbers and I'll get projections out. Yeah. Sharpcollegefootball.com, Sharp College Football for the YouTube channel once we um, start getting those videos back up. Um, and then 12-pack radio, Sharp College Football. Um, Rob, what's your – what's your? Well, you've been off Twitter for a bit. Me too, actually. So if you've tweeted at us for a it's while. Been yeah. like, it's been good. It's been good. Like, I, I don't miss it. Like for the most part, like I'm going to like, I will come back when I have stuff to say about Bader. You know, like it's great for live watching and just kind of like, yeah, but there, you know, it's, it, there's the yin and the yang with that. So yeah, I've been off of it too. So I know Hithle hit me up. <laughs> um, so I, I owe him a response. Uh, and uh, so we just been kind of, poking and prodding at Twitter every once in a while I'll jump on, but, uh, but not often. So, uh, but we will do this. Uh, if you, if you want to send us some, uh, you know, some recommendations for some of these transfers, we will uh, check those and we will catch everybody next week. We're going to do Oregon. I'm very excited about this kind of an interesting program. Um, clearly, you know, uh, they cleaned up at the recruiting front and we'll see what they are next week.